Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about body image since during this month of love, it's a good reminder to start with loving yourself first. But first, as always, let's catch up. Nicole, what's new? Oh, survived uh, my COVID vaccine number two. Uh, There's lots of chatter out there in the world um, on the interwebs about all the side effects and just thought I'd give my kind of my my version of it. And again, Mm -hmm. this is person by person. I've I've kind of heard the the spectrum, Um, you know, pain wise at the injection site, nothing major there. It felt like I, I had a a very low grade fever. I'm sorry. Oh, headache, low grade headache. headache. I'm sorry. My mom said the same thing. A headache for a few days. Yep. I have migraines. So it was not even enough to take Tylenol. Um, mm. No nausea, vomiting, um, no fever, chills, body aches, nothing like that. But like day two, my friend who happened to get her second shot on the same day as me texted and said, do you have um, axillary lymph node pain? And I'm like, uh, come again? So Dr. Google told me that that's basically your armpit. And after she asked that, I was like, I sure do. It just felt like somebody just jabbed me right in the armpit. Huh. I would say for like a solid three days, nothing major. Oh, wow. I probably wouldn't have even thought it. I would have said like, oh, weightlifting or something. Um, but that is a side effect. It, it looks like in about 16% of people who receive the Pfizer vaccine anyway. So that I feel good. I mean, it's it's done. It's over. So that's really nice. Um, so quickly. can So I remember last time we talked about this and you said that when you get your first vaccine, you can still actually get the virus and carry it and give it to somebody. Is that still true with that after vaccine number two? Yes, that is my understanding. Yep. So the vaccine is protecting uh, the individual. Yeah. And now with all the strains and, you know, that's the that's the new hot topic is does it protect Mm -hmm. against all of these? So um, kind of time I'm I'm glad that, you know, I'm vaccinated and all of that stuff is finally opening up back here in Michigan. And uh, just this week. So we're just entering the second week of February. Restaurants are open to 25 percent capacity. Um, so we went to our favorite brewery and, uh, we went bowling over the weekend, uh, and we are actually heading to Florida this weekend to see a friend. Uh, so we're doing an Airbnb, uh, we're flying, um, out of our little local South Bend airport. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah, we are going to risk travel for the first time, uh, during the pandemic. So yeah. I, I gotta say though, Gina, it's like <laughs> negative something here and Florida is like, 73. So oh, it's God. it's sounding pretty fantastic. Um, and you had to cancel your vacation twice over the past year. So I say you deserve yeah. it. <laughs> well, you know, it's all a calculated risk at this point. Uh, yeah. And so we're doing that. And I, yeah, just funny to reflect, you know, Super Bowl was this past weekend. And last year, do you remember we had like 55 people over? Do you remember I this? I do remember that. Yeah. yeah had, now like, that you mention it. Super Bowl extravaganza <laughs> in this year. <laughs> it was... <laughs> Mark was taking a bath and I was watching. I don't know why I thought Miley Cyrus was doing the halftime show and I was playing hockey earlier yesterday, uh, you know, on Sunday. And I was like, yeah, Miley's doing the halftime show. 
where did I get that from? Like, I do not know. I was texting my friend. I'm like, um, please tell your daughter that uh, I'm crazy. And it was definitely not Miley Cyrus. And he you got like, her all excited. I know. She was, she's 11. She was pumped. Um, yeah, just funny. I don't know. But yeah, nothing else. And then she turns really it on, on and it's the weekend. I know. <laughs> What'd you think of the halftime show? Okay, truthfully, I didn't even watch it. I, I mean, it was on TV and it, it was not, it was on mute. I was reading. <laughs> That's my, into what I was. My friend who was at our party last year and he and I love to dance. Um, he was like, I miss J-Lo and Shakira. I'm like, no joke. I said, where's the skin? <laughs> kind of funny. We're talking about body image today. But it's, I mean, last year and the year before were quite uh, racy. And this year people are wearing like, it looks like oh. an old school, like jock strap on their face. All of them are. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> where is the skin? Like, I can't even see your face. No, they look like Jason or what is the, what is the horror yeah. movie? Is it Jason? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, From like was... the seventies. I don't even know what the movie is, but that's what they reminded me of or like scream or something. Oh, creepy. Yeah. But it was weird. Kind of smart. <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, very 20, very pandemic. Um, yeah. anyway, what's going on with you guys? All right. Not a whole lot. I had a great birthday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, truthfully, did not do a whole lot, but it was just nice and relaxing. Had some good food. We did get some, we went out to dinner and then we also did a, it's always restaurant week here during my birthday, which is nice because my dad and his wife will take us out to dinner. And, but we just ordered out and got like this five course meal and I ate so much food. I literally had to be rolled out of the house. I'm not even kidding. Kidding. I, <laughs> I'm imagining um, Violet from the, mm -hmm. the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory being rolled out like that was me. But it was delicious, obviously. Uh, we booked our Disney trip for the second time, officially going sometime in February of 2022. So that's exciting. Cross your fingers that actually happens uh, this time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we would have been there this April. And I am just so glad we decided to cancel. I, it, was, it was a great choice for sure. Uh, this is random, but I'm reading chapter three of that eight dates book that you recommended mm -hmm. a while ago. And I just, we were, I was listening to that podcast we did with Jose, the sex therapist. And he, one of his biggest tips was how important it is to talk about sex with your partner. And this whole chapter on intimacy, which I'm on chapter three is just a really good way to, if you're a little bit, you know, um, timid about broaching the subject with your partner, it's just kind of a good way to, to broach that topic. Uh, without having to just come out and start saying something. You can say, hey, let's read this book. Oh, look, chapter three, intimacy. Mm. Uh, so subtle, um, but effective. <laughs> uh, oh, and so today is Valentine's Day when this comes out. What did you get, Mark, for Valentine's Day? Or what are you guys doing for Valentine's Day? You guys will be in Florida. We're traveling back from Florida. Yeah, and then we're... <laughs> playing each other. Our hockey league is starting back up. So we're actually, our teams play one another oh. uh, that night that we get back. And romantic brawl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you guys have anything planned? So actually it kind of worked out. So our kids don't have school on President's Day. Uh -huh. And so they're going to my dad's and his wife's. And my, uh, my dad's wife, Paula, was like, why don't they just sleep over on Sunday? Because they're going to be here on Monday. And I was like, heck yeah. They're like, duh, great idea. <laughs> and I looked on the calendar and it happened to be Valentine's Day. So that's perfect. Actually, we were planning on going to that So Plated. Uh, you got us a gift card for that for Christmas for mm -hmm. that restaurant. It's a great restaurant here in Columbus, but they're they're not open on Sundays. Well, I wasn't, the plan was not to go there and eat because I think I already mentioned how we don't necessarily go out to dinner on Valentine's Day anymore. They're always just so crowded or you just can't get in anyway. So the plan was to do carry out from there. 
but they're not even open on Sundays. So I don't know. We got to think of something else, something cool. But who knows? I mean, they should open for Valentine's Day. That seems like a loss. That's what I thought. So I looked through their website thinking that exact same thing. Maybe they're going to be open just for since it's Valentine's Day and since it happens to land on a Sunday. But I did not see anything, um, anything about that. So it's fine. We'll figure out something else to do. And then I, I also, I haven't told Nick, obviously, but I, I, we never do gifts for Valentine's Day, but I did buy him some Bomba socks. Have you heard of those? No. What are they? They're supposed to be really, they were expensive, so they better be really nice, but they're supposed to be like the best socks ever. Bomba. So, yes, correct. Okay. Yes. Look them up. Real romantic. All right. So before we begin, well, just to- hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... I added this. Actually, okay, if I'm being t- totally honest, Gina, uh-huh. my plan was to get Mark nothing for Valentine's Day. Um, and then I saw your question and I was like, well, I can't say I'm not going to get him nothing on the podcast because that makes me look really bad. And he happened to mention that his physical therapist, because he's a, he's got a rotator cuff issue right now, his physical therapist got the Oculus Quest 2, like a virtual reality don't ask me what it does. Okay. It's outrageously expensive. It has phenomenal views on Amazon. So I got him that and he'll probably end up returning it. He'll probably be like, I don't really want it. But conceptually, Wait. I got him a gift. I don't get it. What is it? It's like a, okay, don't really know, but you. it's like a headset that you put on and oh. you can watch like live concerts and yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I was, I did not, I, you didn't describe it. So I had, and I have no idea. I know nothing about technology. I because do. All I've he seen told commercials me was what it like. was. And I have no idea, but like his physical therapist was totally geeked about spending the weekend on Oculus Quest 2. And he seemed mildly interested and he's super hard to buy for. So I'm like, whatever. Amazon takes everything back. So if he hates it and he doesn't want it, I'll just return it. You might regret this. He might become obsessed. I can, next time I come to visit, he's going to be stuck, <laughs> stuck in his Oculus 2 head gear. It's possible. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> We've got guests. All right. So before we get into our topic, just a quick favor to ask. If you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they really help us reach more people. So we'd appreciate it very much. All right. So today we have the honor of chatting with the hilarious hosts of the What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood podcast, Amy Wilson and Margaret Abels. I've been listening to their podcast for over a year now. And I know that, Nicole, you probably just started mm-hmm. as well um, because they really aren't just any parenting podcast. There's so many parenting podcasts out there. They give practical and research-based advice, thanks to Amy, and most importantly, never fail to make me laugh out loud as I'm walking to lunch on my lunch break and getting stared at by jealous onlookers. I kid you not, I'm laughing out loud. Mm -hmm. Selfishly, I wanted to bring them onto our podcast simply so we could have a conversation with them since I feel like we're already besties, but then I realized we had a great topic potential, a topic that we've definitely dabbled in and discussed here and there on this podcast but which we've never really taken a deep dive into, and that is body image. Specifically, our body image as we age, our propensity to hyper-focus on weight and helping our kids develop good body image and remain positively focused on food for pleasure instead of how it affects our physique. Uh, We figured who better to talk about body image with than two women having no tie to the healthcare industry and you also bring a different perspective in that they are of different, a different generation than both Nicole and me, and their kids are different ages. All right, so now I'm going to introduce Amy and Margaret. 
right. We've got Margaret and Amy of the What Fresh Hell podcast with us today, which is super exciting. So just give us a little bit of a background and introduction of the two of you. Whoever wants to go first, take it away. I'll go first, Amy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my name's Margaret Abels. Um, Amy and I have co-hosted the What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood podcast for several years now. I think we're recording our 195th episode tomorrow. Um, It's a comedy podcast where we tackle parenting dilemmas and we try to solve them by the end of the episode. Uh, Amy brings in a lot of research and I bring in some color commentary. (laughs) The gimlet eye. The gimlet (laughs) eye. I'm like, yeah, I don't care what the study says. I know that my kid won't go for that. And uh, over about the course of 45 minutes, we, we solve a parenting dilemma once a week. Perfectly, Amy, did I leave you anything to say? Said. No. <laughs> yeah. We're each and uh, also Amy. Uh, we are each married to guys named David. Randomly, True. And we each are the parents of three kids. Um, mine mm-hmm. are all teenagers. I have 13, 16, 18 year olds. And Margaret, yours are 9, 10, 12, 8, 10, 12. Nine. You probably know better than me. <laughs> Nine, 10, 12. You Something got it. Like Amy. That. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I went to correct you and I was like, no, you know my children's ages better than me. <laughs> They've grown up. Wow. You've been doing the podcast. Uh, yeah, they were. Like, yeah, it's been a couple of years. So they were. 14, we used notes. to kind of talk a lot about like picky eating and now we're like cell phones and going mm. out unsupervised and vaping. You know, we're on to oh. a whole new thing. <laughs> oh, boy. Scary world. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get. They say big kids, big problems. And I hate that expression. But, uh, you know, there's some things that come up a little later that you're like, More oh, yeah, this is intermittent and intense problems. How's that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to say it. And All because right, you know these things, it. people love to know more about you as a person. So tell us just a bit about you and what you love, what you don't, whatever. Fun, fun <laughs> stuff. I'll go first this time. So I, I actually, this is Amy. I used to be an actor, still am, but I don't act as much as I used to, but I've acted on Broadway. I was a series regular in a couple of sitcoms, and that was my sort of pre-kids life. And then once I became a parent, still was working, but not as much as I used to. And so I wrote a solo show called Motherload about, you know, the craziness, toured around the country and found my way to talking about parenthood and bringing groups of women moms together as something that was sort of my passion. So now, now that's what I do. Love it, Amy. (laughs) Um, I, Amy and I circled each other for a long time because we've actually known each other. Amy was my sister's, um, she was in my sister's comedy group in college, which I won't say how long ago. It was a while back. And so. Long time ago. Yes. Amy and I were both uh, in Hollywood together. I was a television writer and a comedian. And um, so I would see her on TV and be like, oh my God, that's Amy Wilson. Look at that. I know her a little bit. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we we both kind of did the Hollywood thing for a while. And then um, I had my kids late. I had my first kid at 37, my last kid at 41. And, uh, you know, the Hollywood scene, I was kind of done with it. And guess what? It was really done with me. And so <laughs> I was like, I guess I better figure out something else to do. And I s- called Amy Wilson and I said, let's do a podcast. And a great podcast it is. Thank Gina, you. Gina, do you feel like we made it? I feel like we made it as podcasters. Like, 
having what fresh hell on our podcast. That's so oh, cool. Right. Oh, absolutely. My of first course. piece of advice to you guys is aim higher, please. Ladies. Come on. There's a whole world out <laughs> there. Amy Schumer's got a podcast for God's sake. Don't settle. Oh we don't, don't do settle. it full time. Okay. So this is big for us. All Real right. Big. I'll take it. But I'm just right. saying shoot for, you know, Schumer at least. <laughs> oh this is great. I love it. All right. We're going to start with some icebreakers. So if you're ready, never ready for an icebreaker, but okay. <laughs> You're stranded on an island. Who would you rather be stranded with? Your kids, all three, or your husband? I mean, I don't get the question. Is it a trick question? I'm going to decline to answer on the grounds that that may be used to incriminate me. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Because that's what I'm going to say. Wait, I don't think there's anything incriminating about saying I would choose my husband a billion times. Like, who would choose their kids? I really think it depends on the day, the week, the month. Honestly, how really? I answer there that are question. people out there who would be like, I would rather be stranded on a <laughs> desert island with three children. They play in the ocean adult. the whole time. They take care of themselves. You people, they are love the water. Insane. Like I cannot relate to that at all. People are always. I'm always like, oh, you know, we're thinking of going on this trip, and people say, oh, are you going to bring your kids? And I'm like, no. Why would I bring my children on a trip? You sound like Nicole. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Nicole, <laughs> I, I truly do not understand that question. I I, uh, I can't relate to people who would answer their kids. I, uh, it's crazy. I have to say, I'm I'm on my own with my daughter right now, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty utopian. Like last night See? was a Super Bowl, and we watched a Joan Crawford movie, and then we watched oh, wow. just the halftime show, and then we turned the football back off, and it was <laughs> and like we ate on the couch, and like you know we're like having a slumber party, and it's so. Uh, yeah, she's, she's our, our relationship is uncomplicated. That will change, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. if I had right, right now, she's my desert island chick. Because you always have a favorite kid, right? Sure. I mean, you know, it moves around a little bit. Yeah, right. Sure. Okay. Glad we agree. I have a favorite person and it's my husband. I, I don't know what's wrong with you people. <laughs> he can Uh-oh. cook food. Lucky I don't know. Maybe him, my I kids guess. are too little, but I don't get it. I <laughs> know. I agree with you. I would choose my husband. I, I, it is kind of a dumb question, actually, but I just thought, you know. <laughs> Oh, not to insult your question or anything. But no, I just, was, I'm, I'm mesmerized by the fact that anyone would not would choose to go with their kids. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Margaret. <laughs> okay, a much simpler question, perhaps: crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Uh, horribly difficult. I mean, that is a oh. that is a devil's choice for me. I love peanut butter; is my go to staple food. And um, I, I have peanut butter crunchy times and smooth times. I can't choose. I can. I'm say, I would <laughs> I, never. I could never choose. Oh. My favorite peanut butter is like the honey roasted kind that like you get in the store. You know Delicious. that comes in a plastic. It was like fresh roasted. So that I feel like is sort of neither creamy nor crunchy. It's a sort You're of right. kind of crunchy. That's my favorite. I was once involved in a peanut butter of the month club, and let me tell Come you, on. I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts about peanut butter. If you want to do, if anyone is interested in a spinoff all peanut butter podcast, I am available for that. Oh my gosh. I would totally so be many in. Thoughts. So many thoughts. Peanut butter is my lifeline. So I, oh, I, I get it. We could do a spinoff podcast. I'm telling yeah. you, I have so much to say about it. It's basically a food group. Okay. Maybe this one will be a bit easier. Beer or wine? Oh. I mean, 100% okay. easy for me. Amy knows beer. I don't drink wine, so I only drink beer. Yeah, and I and like we when we're together, and you don't we, drink beer, do you, Amy? I mean, ever? Yes, uh, but a glass of wine, one hundred times out of one hundred, I would choose. So yeah, yeah we're like we Jack Spratt and his wife. You we could give us, a, you could give us both, and we would both be happy because I would only <laughs> drink Mrs. the beer, and Jack she would Spratt. only drink the yeah, she would only drink the wine. 
<laughs> That's awesome. That was way more okay, challenging well, than I thought. <laughs> but I seriously. feel like I know you so much better now. I love it. These were good questions. That, they were right. It's like you, it's like you, you're like mentalists. Like you figured out things about us to ask perfect questions. <laughs> good. Okay. We're passing so far. All right. Next. Now to the hard questions, like the real hard questions. So all right, here we go. And I'm going to be you, Amy, right now, according to Google, of course, you probably never quote Google, but here I go. Body image is defined as a person's perception of the aesthetics or sexual attractiveness of their own body. So while body image can go beyond body shape and size, that's what we're going to focus on today. We thought it'd be really fun to dive a little deeper into this with you, especially after we listened to your episode back in April of 2018, which seems so, so long ago. Oh my gosh, time. <laughs> a different Simpler lifetime time. in the before yeah. times. Yes. <laughs> it was titled, Let's Not Care About What We Weigh. Let's just say we both took some serious notes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So briefly, if possible, can you give us a history of your relationship with your body and food and dieting? Um, I'll start. Go ahead. Uh, my relationship with body and diet and food is lengthy. <laughs> um, start, you know, teenager. I was a tremendously thin child, like problematically thin. Um, and then I was a ballet dancer. And then probably around 13 or 14, my ballet program was like, you're getting too fat to be a good ballerina. And then I, but I, I, I kind of was like, mm, that doesn't seem super important to me. You know, I wasn't that into it, but mm -hmm. basically all the girls I danced ballet with were like, I guess I'll just subsist on coffee and cigarettes. And, mm -hmm. and I was like, man, I don't care. I don't care that much. And, but I did start to notice in high school, maybe that like I was heavier than other girls girls um and then i just kind of was on a weight roller coaster for the next probably 30 years maybe um i had a thin weight and a not thin weight and uh i did a lot of dieting sometimes uh made just kind of healthier choices and sometimes was like i'm going to try the cabbage soup thing i was also somewhat uh in the you know, auditioning and doing public eye stuff. So I was like, oh, I have to be thin if I want to do this thing. And so I kind of had a roller coaster. And then um, I got pregnant and got married and was like, I don't care about this anymore. So I didn't <laughs> <to me. laughs> And then you guys made that episode. <laughs> yeah, I just was like, wow, I wish I had spent less of my life thinking about this. I wish mm -hmm. I could give people the chip in their brain that your weight doesn't ever really change. Yep. And that uh, what you weigh now is what you will always weigh. Yep. And if you want to make healthier choices and be involved in, you know, doing things that make you feel better, you should do that. But you should not care what you weigh. It's not yeah. interesting. And I wish I'd understood it earlier. And so that was the impetus behind that episode is like, hey, is it possible to explain this to people younger than us that this is not interesting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you, Amy? Um, I have been lucky, I think, to just be, have a, you know, a body type that's sort of naturally thin. And for a lot of my life, certainly like before I had kids, I guess I didn't really have to think about it that much. Now it was complicated because I was an actor and I was an actor on TV. And so I had a body that I was pretty happy with to walk down the street with and thought I looked pretty good in clothes. But once I was on a sitcom on a TV show, 
uh, I had an experience where uh, an executive producer who was actually female was mm. like, you know, watching them try different outfits on me, you know, and being sort of like, how old are you again? Like that kind of thing. And I was really kind of embarrassed, you know, made to feel like I look okay for a normal person, but not for a TV person. So I better lose some mm. weight. And it's funny that you say, Margaret, like I did put a lot of effort into it, not unhealthily so, but I'm going to eat really healthy. And I was a single person, so I could do, you know, two classes on a Saturday at the gym. And I didn't really move the needle very much. Like your weight's your weight, right? I mean, maybe a couple of pounds. So um, I have toyed with that a couple of times in my life. Like I need to get to a sort of like actor weight. And that takes a lot of effort. And then as soon as you stop only thinking about what you weigh to, you know, carry out that metaphor, then yeah, you just sort of return to your normal. Um, so I'm kind of glad that that part of my life is behind me because I think it gets harder and harder to do as you get older. And as you have had several kids, right. To get back to what you looked like when you were 23, but you're not supposed to. And so that's sort of been my journey through my life is like, my body looks like it's supposed to look for a woman, my age who has had three children and, you know, to be happy with it instead of wishing I looked 10 years younger without plastic surgery, that's not possible. (laughs) Right. Right. Actually, Nicole, I'm going to skip ahead to the to the next question that I'm mm-hmm. supposed to ask because Amy, you kind of already alluded to it. I actually remember Amy that you said in that episode you were talking about the ever desirable and elusive five to ten pounds that so many people try to lose throughout their lives. Yes. and you said something along the lines of, "Would you would you even notice that on someone else?" So if you if you tried super hard and did whatever you could to lose that five to 10 pounds and maybe you notice it on yourself, would you actually notice that on someone else or would anyone even notice it on you? Uh, I thought it was just a really great point. Kind of like what you just said, we are truly yeah. our own worst critics. Yeah. Um, right. So like, yeah, like, I would never think of that as like a shortcoming. First of all, I would never notice if a friend lost or gained, you know, <laughs> like 10 pounds. I wouldn't notice. Yeah, um, exactly. But I certainly wouldn't be like, geez, what a shortcoming in this, in this friend of mine, right? That she's not at a weight she's happy with. Like, well, that's insane. But you apply those rules to yourself sometimes. Exactly. I have, I have been known to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And we all have, you're not, you're, you're amongst uh, many of us um, <laughs> in America and beyond who, who do that and fixate on that, on yeah. that scale so much. So what do you do when either of you, when friends or family uh, say things like this to you or center their conversations around weight? And we'll talk about, uh, this in regards to kids, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking now, like, even if your kids aren't in the room, like how do you respond to that? Or how do you approach that dialogue? Um, I think because I'm a person whose weight varies, um, you know, I don't know, let's say 30 pounds in every direction. I often am greeted by people saying, have you lost weight? Like it's, it's a pretty regular thing that happens. And I have, started responding i don't know i don't keep track of my weight because it's it's kind of an annoying comment you know and it's kind yeah. of the thing of like i i, I don't know i and, and actually it's, it's basically true like I, I don't weigh myself so i guess i've lost maybe i have i don't know but especially around my kids like that's not an interesting metric to me and it's definitely not a metric i want my kids to be yeah. interested in And, you know, I came from a family where weight was pretty important (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't hold it against them. They were from an era where their weight was constantly scrutinized and there was always like a 
dynamic and a dialogue that was like, oh, you look great. And that the translation was not hard to figure out. It was you look thin, you're thinner. Mm -hmm. And that looked great to people. And it's something that I've resisted. We talk a lot on the podcast about like operating from your maximally generous place. And so I, I don't think it's that helpful to be like, you know, we don't talk about weight and, and really pushing back on people for whom this is a very intrinsic part of their understanding of the world, that thinness is good. But I try to just really play it down and be like, I, I don't know. Have I lost weight? Who knows? As, who cares? Yes. Yes, I agree with you, Margaret, 100%. And as dietitians, I think sometimes Nicole and I, and I, I'm speaking for Nicole, but I don't know this for sure. We get, I think, involved in these conversations more often because people think we want to talk about it. Mm. And I'm just like, right. no, I have no interest in talking about weight loss with you or how, you know, how many calories I eat every day or what I eat every day. And I think it's, it's definitely died down a little bit now that people know like kind of what kind of dietitian I am as an intuitive eating dietitian and all that. But it definitely is still a topic of discussion and just being a, a woman of our age, I think it's, it tends to be one of those conversations that if there's nothing else better to talk about, well, let's just talk about, you know, the, what diet we're following or what we ate today, or it just is one of those, you know, space fillers topics. I, I feel like a lot of times. So I feel like it's moved in the last couple of years, moved away from, you know, what you weigh and, oh, I, I shouldn't eat this because I'm so bad and it'll go right to my hips, like that kind of stuff that maybe mm -hmm. our, our moms would have said. So maybe it's been a longer transition. But um, I've been definitely stuck in several conversations recently where somebody really wants to tell me about how they're doing their anti-inflammatory diet or mm -hmm. how they've taken out sugar and gluten and they feel so much better. And like, mm -hmm. and again, like those are really hard things to do. And there are, there are reasons to do them. But I feel like it's sort of this, the new bar to set for yourself, right, is to... Mm -hmm take gluten out of your diet and then tell everybody you meet about it. Cause it's really hard and nobody cares, you know? And like, and I just find that like, like you were saying, Margaret about like, I find it really uninteresting. I, I it, it irks me. Like, can we please not talk about how you stopped eating sugar? Like I don't, I didn't ask. I don't care. This is remarkably uninteresting. Just and I'm sad for that you. to people. The minute they start their conversation, can we please not talk about this? This is remarkably uninteresting. Like, I want to be at that cocktail party with the did in the after times. Talk to the hand. <laughs> That's going to be my next line when I actually end up going out at some point in my life. Like, I sorry, mean, I haven't been out much. I've lost my <laughs> oh, social grace. Ditto. This is not yeah, interesting exactly. to me. I mean, I mean guys, at this point, that would be interesting. I'll take any conversation. True, but, true. Yeah. In 2018, your podcast, the show from 2018 that we're referencing, I mean, you guys were spot on. And you say in that episode, to, it's important to take weight out of the dialogue. And so since that time, the Health at Every Size movement has really blossomed. And I think you're really kind of just there and we're just putting some words around it. But the concept on a very broad level is that health and wellness shouldn't be defined by size and the weight of your body but rather to focus on modifying lifestyle and health habits, irregardless of weight. And, and so Gina and I'd like to ask, do you agree with that? And how have you done just at a on a personal level since that episode on focusing on other things aside from weight? It sounds like quite well, at least with others, but <laughs> <laughs> where, where does that land with you? I mean, it, it, it's complicated because I have found that during the pandemic, I have fallen. I, I think my natural eating habits are lazy and problematic basically like i i don't mind loving food but i often eat out of 
boredom or, you know, feeling like I don't have enough to do. And so the pandemic has been quite problematic for me. And the fact that you never have to dress in your real clothes. And, you know, I have gotten to a point where I just I don't like the way it feels like we I have a Costco Pirates booty thing, you know, for my kids lunches. Mm-hmm. And I will just, you know, in, there were days in the pandemic I was eating six or seven of them, just sitting around, you know, scrolling Twitter. And I have, we we have an expression that we really like on the podcast. I don't remember if we used it on the on this episode that we're referencing, but that it's back to one. And it's an uh-huh. expression. Amy, why don't you explain back to one? Because it's your expression. It's it's a um, it's something you hear on TV and film sets. You know, when you do a take of a scene and they have to yell cut for some reason then like the second assistant director or something will say back to one. And that means everybody, like the cameras go back to their starting position. The actors go back to their starting position. If somebody, you know, cut into a cake, we have to get a new cake in there and get the knife exactly where it is. So everything goes right back to the way it was. And you don't, there's no talking about like whose fault it is. You have to do it over again or why Mm -hmm. you have to do it over again. It doesn't matter. You just reset and you do it again. And um, we talk about that all the time in parenting that you can, you can reset without wh- whose fault is it that this isn't going well or mm-hmm. blaming yourself that it isn't going well and just sort of say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start over. I'm going to remind myself of, of how I want this set up and try again. Um, and I feel like yeah. at my age, I, I know my one, my one is not yelling so much at my kids. My one is like smiling at my husband instead of growling at him, you know? And so rather than the mindset of like, I have to diet because I have to be thin to be acceptable and attractive. You know, I feel like I have to go back to one. I have to remember that I actually feel better when I move my body, preferably Mm -hmm. outside for a certain amount of time every day. I eat a healthier, more balanced rainbowy diet versus just like mindlessly shoving pirate's booty into my face because I'm (laughs) bored. And so that reframing has been helpful to me. and. And there is a point that involves like, I don't actually want to buy an entire new wardrobe of clothes in a larger size. I would rather just fit into the clothes I have, but I know my, my, to be at the weight that I was when I was like wearing a bikini and feeling like, oh my God, this is the best body I've ever had. That's not healthy for me. I I shouldn't Mm -hmm. be at that weight. There's not, there's nothing healthy about that. That's me like eating a lot of celery and cantaloupe and water and like whatever, mm-hmm. putting paprika in my lemonade and doing stupid stuff that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. But I know my basic healthy weight is my back to one like that. I know. And that just comes from eating thoughtfully and eating only when I'm hungry and not just shoveling food into my face because I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm sure so many people are nodding their heads right now. And I, I I agree with you. I can, I think back and I'm sure all, everyone has these moments where you can think back and think of the time, like you said, where I used to wear a bikini every time I went out and I actually still have the bikini and I still wear it sometimes when I'm like in the backyard pool. Um, I mean, I can oh, give it, it another public. 10 years. I, You'd be like, I'm walking down the beach in that bikini. Y'all can just deal with it. <laughs> I might, I might, I'm, I'm going to keep it forever. You know, it's always going to be in my drawer. It's always going to be available, but I was not happy. I mean, I think I actually ate pretty healthy, but definitely not enough. It wasn't sustainable. And it, and I really deep down and even on the surface was just not a happy person. I was probably always angry. And I just, I wasn't getting the, the nourishment and the foods that I actually wanted to eat. You know, I had so many right. foods that I deemed as bad, including peanut butter, gas. I mean, I oh. did not eat peanut butter and it's my favorite food. So 
not sustainable, not fun. Um, so yeah, I think, I think a lot of us can, can relate to that, uh, Margaret, for sure. For me, yeah, and I just think more. you take the pressure off, you know, when you're not like, oh, I was bad. I've got to get back. It's like, oh, yeah, I just got to reset. And like, I've come to yeah. a point in my life where I've seen the pattern enough that I'm like, I'm going to be back, like dipping mozzarella sticks and ranch dressing in front of the TV <laughs> on some days. That's never leaving my life. But so it's nice to just have this lower pressure version of it, which is mm -hmm. I'll just go back to one and then we'll yeah. stay there for a while. And if it goes off track, I'll just go back to one again. Yeah, I love it. Don't it, it's, it's the absence of guilt that I, I think I'm hearing from you because it's the guilt that we put on ourselves, I think, really gets us off track and is damaging in a lot of ways. And me, it's about sort of relaxing things and actually getting like I I I can overthink what I eat, I can overthink what I weigh. Like I do, I do still think about that five pounds. And so for me, it's a, but my back to one is no, 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 no. You're not, you're not going to do that. It's mm -hmm. okay to eat this. I, I would, I would tend to drift more in the opposite direction of feeling bad about, um, you know, about weighing something I don't want to weigh and, you know, starting to like, just eat less, you know, like starting to live on coffee and see how that goes and intermittent fasting and all that stuff, which I think is, yeah. can be very helpful, but that way madness lies for me. So my back to one is to, no, 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 just eat whatever you feel like. That's good. I love that point, Amy. We've never talked about that on podcast. That's a, such a good point. Your back to one is <laughs> loosening up and my back to one is tightening up. And yeah. it's just like, it's, that's a really interesting take on that whole idea of like, my and this is how our whole personalities come out on the podcast, which is mm -hmm. that I'm just sort of like, ah, who cares? And then sometimes <laughs> I need to rein it in. And Amy's a little more like, I will make this work by trying really hard. And like yep. you're back to one is like, <laughs> yeah, I can let go of the reins a little bit. Yep. Have the ranch yeah. dressing. Right. Right. Seasons. Yeah. Everything is a season. I'm like, oh, true. Yeah. Very yes. true. I'm very curious about this question. Um, so Gina put in here a quote, uh, according to high performance consultancy. Uh, millennials could be guilty of prioritizing their appearance over work as a study has found that two thirds of the age group would exchange a 20% pay cut for the perfect body. And I'm, we're wondering, since you both have children in this kind of age range from elementary to high school, do you see a bit of a shift towards body acceptance in your kids' generation as compared to millennials or Gen Xers like ourselves or not so much of an improvement at all? Okay, first of all, I want to say that high performance consultancy is an outfit I never need to hear from again. Whatever they're up to, high performance, not interested. But uh, I am so curious about this question. And my two older ones are boys and my youngest is just turned nine. And I okay. have almost never heard them discuss weight at all. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, they'll be like, He's big and fat, haha, -ha, as kind of a mm -hmm. joke about, mm -hmm. you know, someone they find. They I don't even think they would say that about like someone they know. It's like mm -hmm. there's, there's have you there? I'm, I'm just about to sound so old, like warning. But they use the <laughs> word thick a lot. Like, oh, he's a thick boy. And that means yeah, yeah, like yeah. big and strong mm -hmm. and thick, I think, means attractive in women. I've never that's the word that they use to reference bigger people. And I've. Oh. I don't. Am I crazy, Amy? I don't no, think it has thick, a negative it's, connotation. It's, it's thick with two C's, I think. Yes. And it's, oh. and it's like some, you know, some people like, you know, like a big booty. Like it's like that kind of thick. Oh. It's like 
good looking. It's not an acronym. It's just a different way to spell it. No, she's thick. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, Margaret, your youngest though is who's nine is a girl, correct? Yes. She's a girl. Okay. And has she ever mentioned weight? I'm curious. I have never, I don't know what this means, but I have never heard her ever mention her weight or anyone else's mm-hmm. weight. Okay. Okay. So, you know, millennials, all right. Millennials are, I'm thinking my brother, it's like, I have a, I have a younger brother. He is, he's 23. So to think that two thirds of that age group would exchange a 20% pay cut. I mean, I am just outside of the millennial. I'm like right at the cusp of millennial and Gen Z. I'm sorry, Gen X. <laughs> um, I would never, I would never take a 20% pay cut, but I'm thinking some of the millennials don't have family members. So I'm thinking maybe that's, or don't have families, don't have kids. I think yet, it's age married. though. Don't you think, I think if they had, Do I'm, you think? Gen, what are we, Gen X? I, I'm Gen, Gen X, X, I think. I think that if you would ask, you would pull Gen X people at between the ages of 20 and 35, everybody would say yes. First of all, they don't understand money. And second mm-hmm. of all, they're obsessed with their appearance. <laughs> like I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that's a, I'm not sure that's a millennial problem. I think that's a being a dopey person between 20 and 35 where you don't. Uh, money yeah, doesn't but, mean enough to you and appearance right. means too much to you. But this sure. is the this is the uh, that's the age group of the selfie of like the constant, mm-hmm. constant, like the the young women I know, like most of whom are like my nieces um, are like constantly mm-hmm. taking pictures of themselves <laughs> and putting them up on yeah. the Internet constantly in a full face of makeup. Yeah. Usually a shirt that doesn't really make it all the way to the pants, right? Like it is like J low levels of turned out at all times. Um, but but, but I, I don't think that was true when we were in high school. I mean, I, I disagree. Was, I, I oh. wore an Esprit sweatshirt that was as wide as the desk I'm sitting at over <laughs> stirrup pants, you know, like the like the level of body consciousness and the amount of pictures of myself that I looked at. Never. And, you know, and futzed with and put filters on. I did none yeah. of that. There's like yeah. eight pictures of me from high school. I don't even know where they are anymore. <laughs> it just was a, a, I was, I was conscious about my appearance. I think now it's a whole other level. So that actually yeah. doesn't surprise me that they're like, I need a perfect body. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I feel like the selfie, I worked for a university and I, when the um, workout facility was open at one point, I would go there quite often. And inevitably there was a college aged female taking selfies in the mirror of, you know, her entire body with her butt out and flexing her muscles and constantly all the time. Mm-hmm. It was almost laughable. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree, us, but it doesn't to somebody in that age group. Oh, absolutely. Right, absolutely. A selfie. But I'm glad that I didn't grow up with that. I'm, yeah, I feel I'm grateful. Saying, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So speaking of social media, now that we're on the topic, it really seems to be affecting the way our kids and even we as parents, we are definitely not immune, think about our bodies and even the food that uh, we eat or especially when it comes to imparting moral values on food. So we'll see things on social media that say things are good or bad, um, you know, eat this, not that. And this is from the BBC. It says social media does appear to be correlated with body image concerns. A systemic or systematic review of 20 papers published in 2016 found that photo-based activities like scrolling through Instagram or posting pictures of yourself were a particular problem when it came to negative thoughts about your body, as we just said. Uh, Do you have any suggestions for monitoring social media within your own day-to-day life and also your children's without impeding on their or your social life? We haven't hit this yet, so we'll take any advice that you have. I'm going to push back a little bit. I don't 
believe in this thing that much. I think that social media is problematic. I think that my mother, who was born in 19, in the 1930s, was between the ages of 15 and 35, insanely obsessed with her weight, as were all of the women she knew. And I think that generationally, even though I wore the exact same outfit that Amy is describing, it set a spree on it, it was gigantic. We still knew we were supposed to be thin underneath that. I think that the social media thing is a an expression of something that has been with us for a very, very long time. And I'm not sure that defining outward from social media in is as helpful as defining in from a historical idea that women had to be thin to be valuable outwards. And now it's just, Hmm. now it's the social media is where that's showing up as opposed to. It's just where it's showing up. It's just, we always think like, oh no, it's, I was just listening to a podcast today where they were like, the Walkman was considered like this horrible invention that was going to ruin kids' minds because it was shooting stuff directly into their brains. Like, (laughs) I feel that every generation is like, the problem is, listen, I'm not saying that like selfie culture and yes, living online and constantly taking pictures. We were, we went, my husband and I went away um, for the first time in our marriage and we went to Paris and we did not bring our kids for the record because we would never do that. But we were at the Louvre, the the pyramid, you know, you for me, you see it on TV. And there were literally 40 different women like taking pictures in a hilarious way. We were mm. cracking up. They were like jumping in weird circles. And then there was like a put upon boyfriend, like taking 800 different versions of the picture. Mm. And we were like, what is this? But I think it's just a weird manifest, another weird manifestation as mm-hmm. as has always been. I, I would just like to push back even further, Margaret. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I, I, I can very, I can, I can actually picture this very well sitting in middle school in my Spanish class. And there were a couple girls in the class who were just gorgeous. And I can remember sitting there just being jealous, looking at them and just being in, just in awe of them. Now our kids go home and they have that in their face at any time throughout the day as they can scroll through their media feed. They're seeing, they're getting bombarded with it constantly. So I feel like it is it is different than when, than when we were growing up. I, I do agree and that it will never it will never end. We will always, in a way, as long as diet culture exists, which it probably always will, we'll always be obsessed with weight and body image and a shape of our body, whether it's our breasts or our butt. But I feel like kids are bombarded with it at all times of the day now, morning, noon, and night, not just in school. And that's where it becomes more of a problem. I, I see it. That's- I also, though, clearly remember as a high schooler, like, cutting pictures out of magazines and pasting them like Mm -hmm. into a book that I was like, this is what I'm supposed to look like. Like you're supposed Mm -hmm. to see my hip bones in this very specific way. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I think clearly social media is like all consuming and terrible in many, many ways, but I think that it's both probably. Mm -hmm. What about you, Amy? You've got older kids. Has it affected your kids? Do you think? So, you know, I, so I have two, like Margaret, my uh, first two are boys and youngest is a girl. So I find that it's very different for boys and girls. I mean, mm-hmm. my my sons, if I've talked to them about this, I like they'll be like, it's so stupid how like a, a girl like does this and she puts this like, oh, I look so ugly. Just so somebody will say she's pretty. And I'm like, it, it is a little weird. Like, I understand how <laughs> tough it is to be a girl. And I wouldn't engage. Don't say anything. You know, don't does, right. just don't do that. Scroll on by. 
But they sort of look at it like, huh, that's weird. They don't feel that pressure. I mean, they feel the pressure, yes, to like be cool and look good, but they're not constantly taking selfies of themselves and then editing them with filters to make them look even more like magazine ready. They're not doing that. And not every girl does that. I really hope my daughter doesn't grow up to do that. She's not doing it yet. But Mm -hmm. I I do see that as something. I mean, I just think it's a a quagmire that's uh, harder for girls and probably some gay boys to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that there are there are many boys out there who are affected by it, too. Um, At the university where I work. I mean, I feel like for for men and this is very, very stereotypical statement, but a lot of times it's getting big muscles. They want the big muscles. And I see the protein shakes and I see the posts on social media where they're flexing their muscles or trying to look macho. So I definitely think think it goes both ways, but maybe it it probably does in, in a way affect girls more than more than boys, but I certainly think it goes both ways, um, heterosexual or not. Um, right. Depends so, on my kid. Right. I mean, I just, I yeah. haven't had this conversation with gay men, uh, two gay men yeah. that I'm good friends with working on a, a creative project right now. That's about this sort of wellness, you know, machine and its tentacles and how it's evil. And sometimes I'll, I'll say something to them like, well, you don't understand women always think about this. And they're like, uh, yeah, we do. We do. We do the same thing. So I think it depends. <laughs> yeah. I'll also and not say to, on the flip side yeah. that we grew up with a lot of like the tabloids being like, which star's cellulite is this? I don't know if they still oh do that. Gosh. Maybe they, they do. do. They but do. like our, my kids, I, I think, have a little bit of a different view of, I mean, we would watch TV or we would, a family member, it would be nothing for people to look at people in public. I mean, they wouldn't say it to their faces, but you know, oh, your teacher is so fat. She got so fat. I mean, the people would say, Mm -hmm. make comments about people. I feel Mm -hmm. like that has lessened and that my kids do look at a range of diversity of personal presentation that amazes me. Like, and that people would never think to say like, oh, why do you listen to that singer? She's fat. Why do you like that comic? She doesn't look right. I I don't know. I I Mm -hmm. see some positives on the flip side. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's good conversation. I, I like to hear all all sides. I think we're all I think we're all right. We've almost solved we're it. All right. That's what we need. <laughs> it's all, great all parenting, correct. really. I mean, Margaret, it sounds like what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what it is, guys. I don't know. I am an internationally recognized parenting expert, as I like to tell my children when they misbehave. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I love it. So on our show, we talk a lot about intuitive eating and this whole concept of really focusing on choosing foods based on how they make us feel, the satisfaction factor versus focusing on calories, points, serving sizes, and ostensibly weight. So kind of shifting back to a bit about diets, because Margaret, you seem to grasp onto this concept quite well, and I'm wondering if you still do. So I'm referencing again that 2018 episode. And there you said, I don't think about food, so my weight tends to stay the same. Stay the same. Um, and you also said that the people you know I'm butchering your quote here, but the people you know who are the healthiest think the least about food. And I know Gina and I, that's probably the two lines from that particular episode that we were like, wow. Um, Why do you think that is? And do you still feel that way, I guess? Yeah, I do. And I, I think there have been times, like when I do my back to one, I have to think a little bit more about food because... My problem, and I was really struck when Amy said, like, her problem is maybe thinking too much about, she needs to think less. Like, for me, I need to think a little bit more to reset because I do, 
I, I am a thoughtless eater in some ways. Like I'm like, whatever feels good next is what I will eat. And sometimes I do have to think a little bit more about food to get back on track in terms of do I, there's a thought to, do I really want to eat this bag of pirate's booty or did my kid just leave it open and now I'm going to finish it because it's sitting here. And so mm-hmm. it's hard to define, like thinking about food is, you know, good or bad, but I, I do think that the idea of the people who I know have the healthiest relationship about food, they don't talk about food. The people mm-hmm. who I know who I think maybe don't have the healthiest relationship with food do constantly announce, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that tomorrow. I'm not going to eat anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, just constantly narrating their relationship with yes. food. It's just yes. exhausting. And that is something that, I mean, I have not the world's healthiest relationship with food, but I'm working on just thinking more about it in terms of being a present eater, like eat because I'm hungry, not because someone left a half cold thing of mac and cheese here. Like, why am I eating that instead of throwing it away? Yeah. But then think less about food in terms of like, I don't know. Food is so uninteresting except for that it's delicious, but it's also much less delicious if you eat it mindlessly. That's, that's what I've come to. Oh yeah. Agreed. I, there was actually a really good quote in the intuitive eating book and it says it's not actually, maybe it was in the health at every size book. I think I'm quoting the wrong book here by Lindo Bacon. It's not what you eat. It's why you eat. So for you, Margaret, mm. you know, when you're sitting on your couch, mindlessly eating your pirate's booty, sounds like you're eating out of boredom or just habit um, right. versus actually being hungry and wanting the satisfaction of pirate's booty. I mean, pirate's booty is booty is good. But, you know, after bag one, it probably doesn't taste quite the same. And at that point, you're eating it for a different reason. (laughs) The thing is, when I do my back to one and I kind of just get control over the reasons why I'm eating and I calm down, Mm -hmm. food starts tasting delicious again. And I love that experience of food tasting. I don't mind like exactly opening a bag of pirate's booty and crunching that salty cheesiness is heaven. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I do that? But yeah. The seventh bag, you're not getting the same high. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> and that's true with any food. Take your favorite food in the whole world, peanut butter. Eat an entire jar of it. That last bite is disgusting. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, like probably the 10th bite is probably already tasting a little bit rank. But yeah, I mean, everything tastes, it, you, it loses its, there's a word for it that they use, but it, it, it loses its um, delicious flavor uh, after a while. It's just like you're eating paper at a certain point. It's just not good. Those first few bites actually taste the best. I think the word's I, habituation, but I think that maybe oh, yeah, that doesn't yeah, sound yeah, that right. Oh, yeah, yeah, familiar, yeah. It, okay. I will say also that I was the third of three kids, and my mom used to always joke, like, you eat like someone is going to take your food away. And I'm like, yes, someone <laughs> is going to take the food away. The four bigger people than me in the family. And I noticed sometimes, like, as I was kind of examining my relationship with food, that I would have friends and they would put like four raviolis on their plate and they would just chat calmly and they didn't Mm -hmm. spend the whole meal being like, who's getting the next couple of ravioli? (laughs) Like, and I I had to break that cycle with food too. Like food, it's fine. There's enough food, you know, like, and, and, and you can enjoy a meal without being like, is there enough that I'll get more of this delicious food? And so there's a lot of stuff going on with food. It's awfully complicated. Yeah, it, it truly is. That's why there's dietitians to help and health coaches exactly. and psychologists and all that, that fun. All right. So we already kind of talked about how you protect your kids from uh, bad messages about body images and just really how you don't necessarily talk about it in front of your kids. And if you do talk about your body, it's 
generally in a positive way. So what about food? Uh, You both agreed it's not good to overly focus on food or calorie talk or diet talk in front of your kids. So how do you or don't you protect your kids from harmful, pernicious diet talk and diet culture as it does inevitably seep into their world? Or have you noticed that at all? I haven't. So my, my two older boys are both, um, athletes, you know, and so they, Mm -hmm. they care about what they eat. So they're pretty healthy. I mean, the Tostitos go up to their room around 9 PM for sure, but (laughs) like they don't touch soda. They'd rather die than go to McDonald's, you know, like they, they've sort of taken on that stuff with, without me. And so they eat healthily and that's easy. And yeah, I, I think for me, I have to sort of push back on like, you know, once in a while you can, like you can have cake on a birthday, right? But they're they're getting that mm-hmm. from the sort of fit and athletic world. Um, my daughter um, doesn't. My my daughter doesn't have it. My daughter is sort of like a bird like eater, but you know she likes she's a sweet tooth, right? So she's mm-hmm. like not hungry for lunch, not hungry for dinner, and then she's like got the candy up in her room, you know. And so I do sort of see that, and so I, that's a struggle sometimes for me is how do I correct that? Like you can't like not eat dinner and then have ice cream without like shaming. And then, you know, like, cause sure. I'm kind of that person too. Like I eat like a bird and then have the ice cream. That's kind of <laughs> it's my tip. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's not a healthy way to eat, but, but sort of drawing any more than absolutely necessary attention to it seems wrong to me. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Margaret? Um, my kids are still in the age where they're basically eating what I serve them. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't, you know, they don't make super healthy choices. We'll say it seems to be something they're talking about in school because my 12 year old has been saying he loves to come home at the end of the day. He loves cookie, witches, the like ice cream sandwiches. And he has one when he comes home from school and I'm like, it's fine. Have, have, you know, I try to let them eat what they want to eat and not Mm -hmm. comment that much on it. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, you know, I'm not sure if it's healthy to have one every single day. I said, eh, well, just see how you feel. And I don't know. My kid, the only problem is that my kids are picky, limited eaters in the same way Amy mm-hmm. was saying. And that I do, I always was like, you know, you, you choose what they, you serve and they choose what they eat and trying to go with all these, you know, theories. And the problem is like, well, I have a kid who will only eat crescent rolls if I do that. I mean, he will subsist on a diet of crescent <laughs> rolls for an entire year. And so mm-hmm. I guess I could not serve crescent rolls, but I don't know. It's, I'm trying to kind of let the water find its level a little bit right now. And um, it's interesting. We've been, we've been away from people for so long. I feel like we haven't had a lot of the frictiony issues where people would say to my daughter, like, you don't want to eat that. That'll make you fat. I'm like, Oh no, no, no. I got to have a conversation. It's funny. Like we have, we've been a little on our own for a while. You know what I think is, uh, has surprised me about this sort of the last year, the pandemic in a good way is TikTok. Like my daughter is, has a, you know, has TikTok on her phone. And I'm like I, I, like I had thought that was the ninth circle of hell and stay away from that. Right. But in the last year, it's been like the average person, like dancing around in their kitchen, laying the fool. Right. And it isn't like, look how hot I look. It isn't people sort of trying mm. to make themselves look perfect. It's trying to be funny. And mm. I, I think that that's a really good avenue for for women in particular and, and teenage girls right the, like i didn't know i was funny until i was in college and so i i love the idea that my 13 year old thinks it's cool to be funny amy coming out with the shock 
pro TikTok stance on this podcast. Oh God. Yeah. I was not ready for Wait, that information. No, who is it? Don't Are you against, me, I'm sure. Who's against problem. TikTok? Is are one of you like just completely against TikTok? I feel like one well, of you. Well, we have a TikTok for What for Show podcast that we okay. put funny videos on, and that's. <laughs> but anytime I stray away from that, I'm. I only know TikTok through like celebrity <laughs> teens who are on TikTok, and uh-huh. and that's a very scary world. So. I'm not aware of this hilariously funny teen girl TikTok that Amy oh, speaks of. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's I just, I have forbidden my children from looking at TikTok. It's funny, though. I had, not, I had never really thought about it until you mentioned it, Amy. Truth be told, I've probably seen five TikTok videos in my entire life. But from, from what I've seen, it does seem very focused on comedy and just silliness versus mm-hmm. perfection and the way you look. And I, I think I you're feel right. Like that's, TikTok, that's you good. fall into silos too. Cause I'm in a yeah. really weird silo on TikTok mm. where I don't know who I clicked on. I have a really strange feed on TikTok. My guess is once you start following funny people, you get more funny people. And once you start following like sexy dancing 13 year olds, that's oh, what you get. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, sure. I think it's probably yep. your feed yep. is probably very responsive to what you click on. Yep. So true. Right. So true. Just right. it, just like any social media. I mean, Instagram, right. you look through a lot of people. It's it's all, you know, selfies and bodybuilders and diet talk. And you just got to unfollow those people and, and not click on clickbait, I guess. You'll get sucked in. Mm-hmm. All right. So to wrap up on our conversation today, I read a quote recently that said, at the root, body image is not about our body, but body image is about our belief system. So just as a wrap up, what's one tip that you can leave our listeners with to kind of solve it, if you will, that you've learned since becoming a mom for molding a positive and realistic belief system for your kids with regards to body image. So just take everything that you just said and wrap it into one tip. <laughs> one fun <laughs> um, Mine is um, more of a general parenting tip, but it sure applies to this. Your kids won't do what you say. Your kids will do what you do. Your kids will talk about their bodies the way you talk about your body. Your kids will relate to food the exact way you relate to food. And so you really have to have a healthy relationship with your own body and food. And if you struggle with this, like read all the articles that are like, I'm putting myself back in the picture. I'm taking a picture of myself in a bathing suit with the kids. Like, Mm-hmm. it's some work and it, it's been a little bit of a journey for me, but I um, really try hard to never, I don't even try hard. I've really just let go of wanting to be different than I am because I want my kids mm-hmm. to love themselves. And so I have to love myself. And I think that we read a lot of stuff about like what to say and how to approach this with our kids. And and the bottom line is your kids are going to watch you and mirror what you do. Yeah, Love it. I would agree. We just had um, Ned Hallowell on our show, who's a ADHD, sort of like the, the premier ADHD researcher doctor. And mm-hmm. he said that with your kids, you have to have um, three positive interactions for every one negative. And he said, you know, you think mm. you're doing it, but you're, but you're not. And you need to keep track of it for yourself. And mm. I have thought about that recently um, as I, you know, my kids are older, like I, mm-hmm. uh, are you really going to, you're going to wear that to, um, you know, to school today. Okay. Or don't you think you need to shave like that kind of stuff? I have 
realize that the absolute easy, the easiest place for me to lop off the negative interactions, the negative comments, not even negative, but like, you know, like, remember your code, it's cold. Like that kind of stuff is Mm -hmm. not telling them what to do when it, when it um, pertains to their appearance. You know, I don't care if you wear sweatpants on Thanksgiving. Like I, that's the stuff I have stopped commenting on. And that's more clothing than their bodies, but their appearance Mm -hmm. is their business. Right. And if um, they look funny wearing those socks, one of their peers is sure to let them know. And it's not really my job to have that interaction with them. So I've stopped commenting on my kid's appearance, Mm -hmm. like pretty, pretty hardcore. And I found it refreshing to catch how often I might say, Oh, why don't you wear your hair like this or something? There's just, it's just nothing I need to comment on. Yes. I love that. I love what you both said. And I'm, I truly mean that, uh, but Amy, what you just said reminds me and my mom listens to our podcast. I love her dearly, but she used to comment on everything I did when it came to the way I looked, the way I wore my hair, what I wore. And she did stop, but I will say after having kids, she has started now doing that to my children, her grandchildren. And, uh, just a warning, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've tried to nicely tell her to stop and um, it's getting better, but she's still working on it. Yeah. All right. So where can listeners find you before we uh, end the podcast? Uh, you can find us primarily at our website, whatfreshhelppodcast.com and links to everywhere else we are. But I will point people to our Facebook community because we have a community. If you, if people don't know about Facebook communities, rather than us posting stuff on a wall, our listeners can engage in conversations with each other in our community. Mm-hmm. And that's um, you can find it at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what fresh hell cast. And it's just a really fun place for moms. Super chill people. It's no mom shaming. It's just a lot of people like being hilariously funny and occasionally saying, Hey, can you all help me out with this? And everyone mm-hmm. giving them good advice. I love it. I, I have, I'm a member and I, and I truly enjoy it. Yeah, it's a fun group. I've been pleasantly surprised. Again, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a social media cesspool. And people are like, no, we're just going to be nice, actually. It's cool. Yeah, they really places are. on the internet. There's TikTok and there's our, what, that's a <laughs> Wet Fresh Health, but the Facebook group is perfect. Those two only. Don't you also have YouTube videos? <laughs> we do. We have YouTube. <laughs> we have, we do some comedy videos. So uh-huh. this is what I say. We're everywhere. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. TikTok, YouTube, we're, if there's a social media platform, we're basically on it. We're on Twitter. Um, so you can just search for us on any of your platforms by Googling what fresh Hellcast. Uh, what for, sorry, let me go back by go, by Googling what fresh hell podcast. Perfect. But your Instagram is what fresh hell cast. All right. 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 Mm-hmm. Whatever. If you type in what fresh hell podcast, you'll, you'll find all the things that you just mentioned. And of things. course, We will put them in our uh, show notes as well. Well, ladies, thank you so much. We've really appreciated your time and uh, all your wisdom that you have in having older children. So we appreciate it so much. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us. It was a fun conversation. Mom wins and favorite new products or recipes, Nicole? Okay, this one is a slow cooker chicken enchilada sweet potato. my pro tip here is I balled up um, a few balls of tinfoil and put them on one half of the crock pot. And then you individually wrap your sweet potatoes and put those on top of the balls of tinfoil so they don't touch the bottom. You don't want them to get mm-hmm. all 
soggy and yucky. And then you just take chicken breasts with a little bit of, um, I just poured enchiladas, a little bit of enchilada sauce over it, six hours. And then you shred the chicken, stuff it inside the sweet potatoes, a little bit of cheese on top, broil it, served it with avocado. So good. So good. That sounds amazing. It's that like sweet, savory combo. Oh, so good. Um, so link is in the show notes. What about you, Gina? I, I love enchiladas and I love mm. sweet potatoes. That sounds awesome. I actually made a, a slow cooker enchilada bake that I've posted on this podcast in our show notes before, just with layers of chicken and beans and corn and enchilada sauce. I love enchiladas. In fact, Nick had a frozen Amy's enchilada today. Mm. And he said, I could eat this every day. I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'll just start buying those. That sounds good. All right. So I made, you know, I've got my, my air fryer. So I've been dabbling with it here and there, trying to figure out what works best in the air fryer. And I really wanted to try chicken wings because I am just really obsessed with chicken wings. And so I bought the chicken wings and found this very, very simple recipe. Literally all it was, was you get the chicken wings, you put some salt and pepper on there. You, you set the, the uh, temperature to 400 on your fryer, and then you fry them, quote unquote, for 20 minutes. They were air fry perfection. And then the recipe that I had called for us a couple different sauce. There was just a couple different sauce recipes that you could make. You could use, you know, buffalo wing sauce. You could use barbecue sauce. You could eat them plain. I mean, they were so flavorful. Hmm. Uh, but I think I made, I don't know, I made some type of a sauce for them. But just the chicken wings themselves, I was so proud of because they were perfect. I have tried to make chicken wings in the oven, on the grill. They're just never good. I did always missing something, but they were the perfect, crispy, juicy tenderness when I put them in the air fryer. So I highly suggest it. Again, 20 minutes at 400, just buy some, you know, raw chicken wings, whether it's the um, the wing or the the drumstick. What is it called? The little drumette. drumlet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> either, either or, or both. Put them in there 20 minutes, a little bit of salt and pepper, sauce of your choice afterwards. So, so good. So I'm pretty proud of that. Mm. You're making me hungry. I know. I know. I already had dinner, but I'm, you know how we eat at like five o'clock. So I'm already <laughs> hungry again. <laughs> All right. So coming up on February 28th, we will be dishing about our most memorable uh, times as a couple. So staying with the theme of love. Uh, until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. Okay, until next time, everyone, be well. Happy uh, Valentine's Day. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.